Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I don't even know what to say. I, I, I honest to God, don't know how to begin this podcast. I wanted to say so much has happened in the last week, but I talked to y'all on Tuesday and it feels like it's been a month. I let's start with some good news. There is some good news this week. Shout out to Georgia. I know I give Georgia a really hard time. I talk about folks being out in the pandemic. I talk about Georgia bad, but when Georgia does something good, I want to also acknowledge it. Georgia. I asked y'all last week, I said, Georgia, please help. Please get Warnock and Ossoff into the Senate and let Vice President Kamala Harris be the tiebreaker. Let us be ruled by decency and full sentences and education and common sense again, please. And Georgia, many people prayed that prayer. I know y'all were annoyed by all the commercials, by all the robocalls, by all the call calls, by the people knocking on your doors, by the billboards. I know y'all were bombarded, but y'all did what we needed y'all to do. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia. I tuned into CNN early on election night to watch the results come in, and my nerves were so bad. There was so much riding on this election, and I couldn't even watch it. Like, I was like, I'm winding myself up. I'm sitting here drinking wine from my ratchet and respectable flask. I was too riled up. So I started watching The Bachelor, because when I heard there was a Black Bachelor, I said I was going to do video recaps of it. We'll talk about The Bachelor in a minute. I'm not doing video recaps. We can pick another show for me to do the video recaps. We're going to talk about The Bachelor after we talk about this. But I watched The Bachelor to distract myself and to wait for more results to come in. The Bachelor's like two hours. So I watched that and then I went back to CNN and they still hadn't called it. And then I watched This Is Us because it came back. Recap, short version, no spoilers. Kate is annoying as fuck. Kevin is still not annoying, but Randall still is not speaking to him. And Kevin's storyline with Madison and these twins is completely uninteresting to me. And Randall's birth mother is dead, but he and I think Beth are going to go to Louisiana and learn about Laurel's life. 
This most recent episode was kind of dry. It's an alley-oop episode. It sets up where the rest of the season is going. There was no real tearjerker moment in this episode. But next week, next week is going to be a doozy because we're going to learn about Randall's birth mother. I'm not going to drink any wine because that makes me more emotional. But I'm going to just put the tissues. I ain't going to put them on the table. I'm going to just put them right next to me on the couch. So I watched The Bachelor and then I watched This Is Us. And by the time I tuned back into CNN, CNN hadn't called the election for Reverend Warnock, but I think he was up by 13,000 votes. And the rest of the votes that were still coming in were from DeKalb County, which is essentially Atlanta. So black folks voting for a black man. So he was in, but CNN just hadn't officially called it yet. Some other places had, even though the election hadn't been called by a major outlet, because I looked to see if MSNBC or New York Times or Washington Post, any of them had called it, um, and they had not. But Reverend Warnock was like, oh, no, I won. So he did a video thanking his supporters for his win, essentially. And in that video, he talked about, I'm tearing up again thinking about it. He talked about his mother, and he said the same woman who had picked Cotton also voted for her son for a United States senator. Oh, gosh, I'm wiping my eyes. I'm like crying, crying. Something about that just hit me. And I just, I just, I just boo-hoo. Reverend Warnock is the first black senator, black Democrat senator from the South since Reconstruction. So over 100 years. Um, the first black senator from Georgia ever. It's, it's an amazing feat. When I was talking about it online, I said he was the first black senator from the South since Reconstruction. And people were like, well, what about Tim Scott? I was like, who? And they were like, Tim Scott, he's in the Senate. You follow politics. And I was like, I mean, I know who he is. He's a black Republican. And if you expect me to acknowledge him, you're fucking crazy. So, yeah. But I was really, I was really genuinely moved. This black minister who is, who's pastoring a legendary black church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is, you know, was once Martin Luther King's church and his daddy. And all through this election, he's caught so much hell. That crazy white lady he was running against, she talked about, you know, he aligns with the beliefs of Jeremiah Wright. And I was like, well, shit, ain't that a reason to vote for him? Because Jeremiah Wright was talking that good shit. I shouldn't curse when I'm talking about a minister, but y'all know what I meant. Jeremiah Wright was on some goddamn America. And I was like, yes, amen. He got in so much trouble for that, at least in the mainstream. But she attacked that man so bad, she made him sound like he was some, like, antichrist. The him talking about empowerment for black people, that him talking about loving black people, that him talking about wanting more for black people, that him wanting justice and equality for black people was wrong. He blackity black black. And he be talking that black shit, and I love it, and I'm glad that he won. I'm glad that Osof won too. His win actually wasn't officially called, not by the major networks, until at some point during the melee in the Capitol on Wednesday. So his win, at least the official call of it, was overshadowed by the, the domestic terrorism that was occurring in D.C. But I, I definitely wanted to acknowledge Georgia, and I wanted to acknowledge Reverend Warnock, and I wanted to acknowledge Osof. Because what they pulled off gives some hope for America and what seems yesterday especially, but still today, like a very hopeless time. Also overshadowed by yesterday, Biden named the attorney general. Many people have been waiting on this. 
of all the cabinet picks, the attorney general is a really big deal. And his pick was Judge Merrick Garland. And if this name sounds familiar to you, it's because many, many moons ago, after Supreme Court Justice Scalia passed, then-President Barack Obama had the opportunity to name a Supreme Court justice, and he picked Merrick Garland. However, it was an election year, and Mitch McConnell was the Senate Majority Leader, and he said no. It was either nine months or 11 months before the election, and Mitch McConnell was like, no, there will be no Supreme Court nominees coming before the Senate in an election year. The next president will get a chance to pick them. And this is quite different than what just happened with Trump pushing through that dumb white lady. Stay with me here. So McConnell blocks Merrick Garland's nomination. So fast forward five years. What happened with Obama and Merrick Garland was in 2016. Fast forward 2021. Literally, the morning after the Georgia election, Mitch McConnell loses his very important role as the Senate Majority Leader. On the same day, Biden, who knows all of this history, Biden announces Merrick Garland's promotion, essentially, to Attorney General of the United States. Mitch goes down, Garland goes up. It's amazing, well-planned, intentional timing, and it's petty as Fuck, I love it. However, it got overshadowed by all the other crazy shit that happened yesterday. What else is going on? Oh, Cardi B. This isn't even remotely controversial as far as I'm concerned, but somehow it became a controversy. There's a video floating around of Cardi B seemingly in her house listening to WAP. Her daughter comes in the room. Whoever's holding the camera indicates to Cardi like, hey, culture's here. So Cardi turns around, sees her daughter, and immediately turns her song off. As she should. Because no one in their right mind would be playing WAP. Even an uncensored version is still too much for kids. But no one in their right mind would be playing that in front of their child. Cardi does what any sane and decent mother would. She turns off her filthy music when her child enters the room. Someone took issue with this. This woman tweeted this video of Cardi turning off the song when culture comes in and she says, quote, so your daughter can't listen to it, but everybody else's daughter can? Oh, okay. Exactly what I've been saying. You have an agenda to push with that trash ass label you're with. Disgusting. All caps on disgusting. Um, Cardi's agenda is to make good music that adults want to listen to. If adults want to listen to trash music, then by God, they're adults. They have the right to choose it. Who are these people that are playing WAP in front of their kids? And if they're doing it, why? Why would you play that in front of your children? That's not a child's song. There's plenty of adults who like filthy shit because that song broke tons of records. If grown people would like to enjoy listening to filthy shit, that is their grown-ass choice. What is the problem? Like, the music shouldn't be made because kids exist? So we all supposed to be listening to, I don't know what kids listen to. I don't have one. But we all supposed to be listening to nursery rhymes and Disney shit? The Hamilton soundtrack? Is that what kids listen to? But I'm not trying to listen to kids bop shit all day. I like filthy lyrics on occasion. I like Cardi B. I also like James Cleveland. I put on that Aretha Franklin documentary, Amazing Grace, every morning. Every single morning. I've been doing this for over a year. People be looking for stuff to be mad at. They really do. Cardi responded, she said, y'all need to stop with this already. 
I don't make music for kids. I make music for adults. Parents are responsible for what their children listen to or see. She followed up. There are moms who are strippers, pop pussy, twerk all night for entertainment. Does that mean they do it around their kids? No. Stop making this a debate. It's pretty much common sense. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. You know what I wasn't mad about? But I was a little disappointed. The Bachelor. I was excited because after like a zillion seasons of The Bachelor, like literally 20 plus, we finally get a black Bachelor. And he's a cute guy. So I was like, you know what? I supported the black woman, Cousin Rachel. Don't ask me that woman's last name. I called her Cousin Rachel all through my coverage, and that is her name. Cousin Rachel was a cute black bachelorette, and I actually enjoyed her, and I enjoyed the show. I recapped the entire season to support the black girl. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to support the black dude. They, we've been talking about getting a black bachelor. They finally went and got one, so let me do my black duty and support the black people. I said I would at least give him three episodes to see if it looked like he was interested in a black woman. Because I'm really not trying to watch a whole season of a black man pursuing white women. It's just not my choice. I have no problem with interracial dating. I take no issue with black anybody who wants to date a non-Wakandan. That's your business. I only really take offense when black men dog black women to justify why they don't date us. If you want to date somebody else, go date them. Focus on them. You ain't got to say shit about black women. So I tuned in to The Bachelor because my nerves were bad trying to watch the election results on Tuesday. The Bachelor had aired the night before. I don't have cable or regular TV, so I couldn't watch it when it came out. (sighs) He's cute. He has nice abs. He has pretty teeth. He's tall. He skateboards. He's a real estate agent in New York. He's from North Carolina. He seems smart. The man ain't got a lick of personality or a lick of interest in black women. Ain't got no black culture in him at all. His mother is white. His father is black. His parents split when he was very young. I'm not sure how involved his father was in his life. I would guess very minimally because the man, he no black culture whatsoever. Like it, 
listening to him talk, watching his demeanor, it looks like he ain't never met another black person. And he just didn't really seem all that interested in the black women. Like, he was like, oh, she's pretty. But the women, he really was like, wow. Like, I felt, you know, electric. I felt chemistry that he really just seemed to vibe with. It was none of the black women. Which, you know, that's your preference. That's your taste. Your mom is white. Like, you into white girls. Like, all right. But the only reason I had really planned to tune into the show was to support a black man. And if the black man ain't got no black culture... And he ain't really got no interest in black women. Then why am I here? Like the show is okay. I appreciate a budget well spent. But mm, I'm good. I did say that I was going to be recapping The Bachelor. I lied to you, apparently. I didn't mean to, but I, I did because I'm not recapping that shit. There are some other shows that are coming out. Our, our favorite dysfunctional high schoolers are coming back, I think, next week, the week after. I think January 21st, January 23rd. There's a big billboard by my building, All American. So All-American is coming back for season three. I love me some Spencer. I actually love Tay Diggs on this show. He's so annoying me forever and a day, but he's really good on this show. And the creator of a show is a black woman. I think that we should support All-American instead of supporting The Bachelor. I mean, if you want to watch The Bachelor, that's, that's fine. But if you want recaps, I would prefer to recap All-American instead of The Bachelor. We're going to vote on this on Instagram at some point. Maybe Facebook. I'm... In my feelings about Facebook, I called Donald Trump a domestic terrorist and Facebook blocked me for 24 hours, which I feel a way about because I was like, but wait, didn't y'all also block him for being a domestic terrorist? But I can't call him one. But let me also keep it 100. I got two big projects I got to promote like any day now. I probably really can't delete my Facebook page as much as I would like to. That's a problem because I really want to be like, fuck that on GP. But I also really need to promote these projects because I ain't trying to see my shit fail. Shit, I might just have to pretend I ain't got no morals on that one. Damn. Hate being an adult. In adulting news, that's a horrible segue, but it's the one that I'm going with. Dr. Dre had an aneurysm. And before I got blocked from Facebook, I was scrolling and I saw the headline. And good Lord, I think I might be going to hell because my first thought wasn't, oh no, is Dr. Dre okay? My first thought was, shit, did that divorce finalize? Because she could get that money now. Dr. Dre and his wife have been going through a very contentious divorce. He is worth, they are worth, I'm not saying he, because they've been married for like 26 years. They are worth a billion dollars, give or take. And Dr. Dre is trying to enforce a prenup that says she gets spousal support, but she doesn't get any property and there's not going to be a 50-50 split. However, they're married in California, which even with the prenup is a community property state. They've been trying to work out what this divorce is. And she's been asking for, I want to say $5 million for her lawyer and then $2 million a month in support. And then, of course, she wants half of the money that they have made as a married couple over the last 26 years, which I think she's entitled to. 20 some odd years. Cut the lady the check for the half that she's owed. Because that's your wife. That's how this whole marriage thing works. Cut the fucking check. Five or six years, we could have a conversation about what you're owed. 26 years, half. Stop this shit. Half. Be done with it. He don't want to give up half. He doesn't want to have 500 million. He wants to give his wife of 26 years some pizzly shit. That's not right. He was like, Demetria, that's evil. You're turning marriage into a financial arrangement. Marriage is a financial arrangement. It's a business contract. 
if you if you want to add love to it, that's amazing. But essentially, it's a business contract. That's what it was intended to be. Being married, being legally married, entitles you to various benefits that you would not receive just dating. I thought about his divorce first and his wife, and hopefully that divorce wasn't final, so she could get all the change instead of half the change that she was fighting for. And I was like, please don't let this divorce be final. And then I was like, oh shit, I might want to get into heaven one day. Let me also wish that this man is okay. The last thing that I read did say he was lucid and he was doing okay. This is from page six. They reported that Dre had agreed to give his estranged wife the two million a month and the temporary spousal support. So he had an aneurysm and apparently he had a come to Jesus moment and he decided to stop nickeling and diming his estranged wife. Good for them. Maybe his near-death moment will give him some better perspective. Well, now it's time to talk about America. The shit show that is the United... Is it United? We're called the United States of America, but are we United? I don't think so. I said last week that my new year wasn't going to start until January 20th when Biden was sworn into office because I knew that the next two weeks were going to be crazy. I knew that there was this runoff election in Georgia and I didn't know how that was going to turn out. I knew that there was this Trump rally happening on January 6th and I didn't know how that was going to turn out. I knew it was going to be bad. Not as bad as it was, but I knew it was going to be bad. After we heard that phone call from Trump, I didn't realize the level of unhinged that he was. I thought there was a public performance, but behind the scenes, he was actually operating in a realm of sanity. That is not the case. The man is out of his mind through and through. He has access to nuclear codes. He tweets all this crazy shit. I knew the next two weeks were going to be bad. I didn't know if something would pop off in Atlanta over the election results. I didn't know if there would be people who would try to like storm wherever they were counting the vote at because that happened with the national election in November. I knew this Trump rally was going to D.C. D.C. literally has a protest every single day. It might be a five-person protest. It might be a million-person protest. But there's literally a protest in D.C. every day. And D.C. is equipped for it. If nothing else... D.C. has police officers, they have federal agents, they have Secret Service, they have the D.C. police, they have the Capitol Police. If D.C. has nothing else, they have police, they have security. Worst case scenario, because I'm taking into account these are white folks. They just going like go down to the White House, they're going to have their march, they're going to tear up some shit. D.C. been boarded up off and on since the summer. So I was like, all right, they're going to make a bunch of noise. They're going to protest. They're going to tear up some shit. And then they're going to leave and go home. I mean, that's just regular riot shit. Yesterday, that was some neck shit. And I was watching it all on CNN, like everyone listening. And I was taking it all in and there was so much. But I woke up at like 3 o'clock this morning. I guess it just hit me of like all the crazy shit that I saw and I was just wired. I couldn't go back to sleep. And I was like, yo, this shit is crazy. Yesterday, <laughs> I was watching CNN and Congress was accepting the electoral votes, right? Super boring process. 
But several Republicans had said they were going to object to the electoral votes from various states. Trump had been trying to pressure Vice President Pence to reject overall the electoral votes and not accept that Biden was going to be president. And before the joint sessions of the House had gotten together, Pence had sent a letter to the president, which he also released to the press, and he was like, no. He was like, according to the Constitution, which I abide by as vice president, it's not possible for me to do what you're asking unless I'm going against the Constitution, and I'm not willing to do that for you. So I'm going to fulfill my constitutional duty. I'm going to oversee this process as the vice president is supposed to, and essentially you're on your own. So figure out whatever your next move is, but I won't be involved, not in this capacity. So I wanted to see the FU of it all from Mike Pence, because Mike, Mike Pence looks at Trump the same way Nancy Reagan used to look at her husband. This shit's weird. And then I also wanted to see whatever shit show was about to happen with these Republicans who were not going to accept the votes for certain states. So I tune into CNN. They get through three states. They're going in alphabetical order. They get to Arizona, and a Republican objects to the electoral votes. So this process is a person objects, they state why, and the joint sessions of Congress each have to leave, and they have to hear a debate for no longer than two hours on why these electoral votes did not be accepted. The Republicans who were objecting did not have the votes that they needed to overturn anything. It was a delay tactic. They just wanted to go on record as supporting Trump for whatever reasons they do. Political capital, showboating for their base. I, I really don't understand the logic, but that's what was happening. So as they're dispersing from the floor, it just seems a little aggressive. Like, I, I'm not processing why. So right then, CNN cuts to the scene outside the Capitol. And it's a fuckload of people. And I was like, they're at the Capitol? I didn't see Trump's speech earlier in the day when he implored all these people to go to the Capitol. I just, in my head, I guess because protests in D.C., I mean, they can happen at the Capitol, but a lot of them happen at the White House or at the Lincoln Memorial. For some reason in my head, I just didn't process they were going to the Capitol. But there they were. And it was tons of them. So I called my mom and I'm just like, yo, are you watching CNN? And she's like, of course I'm watching CNN. Everyone is watching CNN or MSNBC. And I was like, are you seeing this shit at the Capitol? And she was like, yes, this is crazy. So we're talking about all these people and how like Trump is crazy and how his supporters are being lied to and like they're too stupid to know it. And we're going through all of that. And at no point are we really like scared, stressed, nervous, whatever, because they're at the Capitol and the Capitol is a goddamn fortress. Like you, you can't get to the Capitol. To try to get into the Capitol is a suicide mission. They will shoot you, they will kill you. I say this as someone who used to work on the Hill. When I was in college, I interned for a congressman at the Rayburn House Office Building, which is right across the street from the Capitol and is connected to the Capitol through a series of underground tunnels. One of my jobs as an intern for said congressman was when his VIP constituents would come into town, I would give them tours of the Capitol. I know the Capitol pretty ins and outs. I also will say this, I was undergrad at the time, which means it was pre 9-11. It was still heavily guarded with security, with visible weaponry everywhere. Couple years ago, John Murray, who comes on the show and chats with me sometimes, we're friends in real life. 
John had invited me to a screening of a film at the Capitol. After the screening, Congressman comes through and was like, hey, y'all want a tour? So me and John and some other people, one of them, Kim Fields, she was in the film, so she was there. We go on this three-hour tour of the Capitol. This man takes us in every nook and cranny. We all over the Capitol. It's after hours. The place is practically empty. It's still security, armed security with visible weaponry everywhere because it's the capital of the United States. Over the summer, I go out to protest by the White House. In one of the protests that I went to, we walk from the White House to the Capitol. It's about 2.5 miles. We walk up to the Capitol. There's barriers way far back. There's no way in hell we're approaching the Capitol. And in case you were like, well, fuck this, I can hop a barrier, because really, they're not that high. You can hop over it with a running start. There were police officers with visible weaponry walking around. You couldn't even get close to the steps of the Capitol. Not if you wanted to live. So I'm sitting here watching CNN, and I'm watching these people surround the Capitol, and I'm just like, well, you know, all right, like, you want to go protest, you want to make some noise because they're in there doing the electoral count, like, all right, that's fine, protest as you please. All of a sudden, my mother starts screaming. Like, she's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, what, what, what? And she was like, they're going up the steps. They're going up the steps. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I'm watching CNN, too. Ain't nobody going up steps. They're just showing people standing outside. That's when I realized she's watching on TV. I'm watching on an app. There's an at least 40-second delay on my app. My mother is screaming. She's describing what's happening. And I was like, did you, like, change to HBO? Are you watching, like, Olympus has fallen? What you're describing sounds crazy. They're not going up the steps of the Capitol. And then my CNN feed catches up. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're going up the steps of the Capitol. They went up the steps of the Capitol. They went and chilled on the, I don't know if it's, it's not called the balcony because it's too damn big to be called the balcony. But they went up all the levels of the steps. They went up where, like, when I was watching Obama give his inauguration, like they were up there chilling. I don't know numbers like that, but like 500, 1,000, a whole bunch of crazy ass white people with like a couple black people mixed in was like really all up on the Capitol. And I was like, oh my God, they're occupying the Capitol. This is a coup. This is fucking crazy. Little did I know that was the beginning of the crazy. The crazy had not yet begun. So my mom and I spent 20 minutes on like, oh my God, they're on the Capitol. Oh my God, they're on the Capitol. Where are the police? Because again, the Capitol is a fortress. It's like with the Dothraki, it is known. The Capitol is a fortress, it is known. This isn't something you question. This is something that everyone knows. The Capitol is a fortress, except it's not. Because now hundreds, if not thousands of people are standing on it and no one's stopping them. They let them get up there, and now that they're there, no one's moving them. Where are the police? Like I said earlier, if D.C. ain't got nothing else, they got police. All kinds of police. Where are they? My boy, who's a police officer in Annapolis, Annapolis is... And no traffic is... Depending on what part of Annapolis you're in, 30 to 40 minutes from D.C.? With your sirens on, I imagine you could get there in an easy 30. He was like, yeah, we just got called in to go to the Capitol. I was like, okay, like, because they, they clearly need people. But I was like, where, where, where are their police? 
Where's the National fucking Guard? Because when I was protesting over the summer, when I was walking from the White House to the Capitol, there were armored trucks. There was the National Guard with their big guns out. There were police and, and riot gear. For every time that I went to protest, lining the protest route was tons of police. Heavy police presence. Heavy National Guard presence. Heavy presence of police in riot gear. But suddenly all these white folks show up at the goddamn Capitol on the day that they're doing the electoral count and ain't nobody there? I'm watching CNN. They sending in the police like 10 police at a time. The fuck is that going to do? So mom and I sit there just in shock. My dad comes in the kitchen because I can hear him in the background. And we're just like, oh my God. Oh my God. Then my mom starts shrieking again. She was like, they're inside. I was like, mommy, there's no way they're inside the Capitol. Like, it's crazy enough that they're on the Capitol. They're not inside the Capitol. And she's like, they're inside the Capitol. I'm looking at them. They're inside the Capitol. And then my feed catches up. Them motherfuckers was inside the Capitol. I'm looking at them walk through the rotunda, just wandering around, phones out, phones out. They stay in the little roped off area for a minute because I think they were shocked that they were inside too. And then they was like, fuck it. And then they started wandering around, just crowding all in. Motherfuckers went to Pelosi's office. Some dude went to Pelosi's office, sat at her desk, put his feet up, left a message for her. We will not back down. There's another mofo who broke into the Senate chambers. He went and sat in Mike Pence's chair, chilling. I'm looking at some other part of the Capitol. I didn't recognize that part. This mofo is dressed like a buffalo. And he's just there, chilling, just walking around, chilling. Congress people are also in the Capitol. They're on floors. They're hiding behind barriers and walls. They've taken furniture and piled it in front of the door to keep these crazy terrorists from getting inside to do God knows what to them. Some of the legislative aides go back to the offices and barricade themselves inside. There was a congressman on the news talking earlier today and his legislative aide was talking about how she could hear a man urinating outside of the door. And can we talk about that too? Because people keep saying like they breached the Capitol, they stormed the Capitol, they breached the Capitol. And it's just these very like general terms. They got inside, right? They breached, they stormed. People don't seem to have a concept of like what happened once they got in there. They didn't just get in there and wander around like tourists and take pictures and, you know, do some chanting. They weren't in there like singing Negro spirituals and we shall overcome or, or whatever the white version of that is. They weren't doing that. They were fucking shit up. They went in the offices of Congress people and they tore up their offices. They broke furniture. They took signs off the door. They looted some of those offices. And as I just said, some crass, monstrous, doggish motherfucker peed on the floor in the goddamn capital. Animals do shit like that. Hmm. Something else I wanted to say. It's one thing to watch on television as this symbol of power is overtaken and thinking about like what the, this imagery represents. If you're from the DMV, someone you know well works on the Hill. If they're not a police officer, if they're not a legislative assistant, if they're not a chief of staff, if they're not a congressperson, if they're not a janitor, DC's industry is the federal government. The same way if you live in Atlanta, 
You definitely know somebody that works for Coke and you definitely know somebody that works for Delta. If you live in the DMV, you know someone really, really well who works on the Hill and you probably know somebody who was in the Capitol at that time. Like two of my friend's fathers. My dad knew a bunch of people. My dad was in politics. A lot of his friends were huddled on the goddamn floor, had to be taken to bunkers while the Capitol was under siege. That's some scary shit. Like my boy, I've known him for 20 something years. I went to college with him. He's like, yeah, I'm headed down to the Capitol, pray. Cause you know, they don't like his black ass. They found these pipe bombs all over DC. They put up a, um, what is it called? When you gonna hang somebody, not a stockade. They had a noose hanging in it. I don't, I don't recall the right name for it, forgive me. That was set up outside the Capitol, Confederate flags. And it went on forever. Somewhere close to nightfall, the D.C. mayor had said there was a 6 o'clock curfew. And I was like, the kind of motherfuckers that breach the Capitol don't give two shits about a curfew, man. Respectfully. It wasn't even the police that made people leave. It's like folks got tired. and was like, oh, we've been rioting all damn day. I gotta get something to eat. And then they, they left. I watched on the news as a police officer escorted a woman, a, a terrorist, a terrorist female, escorted her down the Capitol steps. It was like the fucking Met Gala and she left something in the car. He was, he was helping her back to the car. Gently, delicately, didn't want nothing to happen to her. I was like, this motherfucker just breached the Capitol. And you helping her down the steps? The Capitol steps? I was watching something on the news this morning because they were doing like recaps of like the crazy from yesterday. And they were like, there were over 100 arrests. That's it? That's it? All them motherfuckers that breached the Capitol? I mean, literally broke windows and went inside the Capitol. Not just, oh, we went up the steps. Because that's crazy enough. That's crazy enough. Like you breached the barrier at a federal building, the capital of the United States, and, and went up and just hung out on it. Like that's some shit you could be arrested for if nothing else were trespassing. Federal trespassing. But the mofos who actually went inside the capital, that was more than 100 people. But only 100 people were arrested? Just under 100 people. They were like, oh, we're trying to identify more. If you'd had more cops out there, you could have just arrested the people at the time. You wouldn't have to go on social media looking at faces trying to identify them. <sighs> Did you see that video? It was like a mob of, of white men. And it was like one black police officer. Sir turned around and ran up the steps. He ran up the first batch of steps and was like, no, no, stop, stop. And they just kept approaching. So he ran up another flight of steps. He was on his walkie-talkie trying to tell somebody something. But Mofo was running. And I was like... Could you imagine if it had been a mob of black people? They would have just opened fire on everyone. Not even no rubber bullets. They would have been like, oh, fuck no. Birth of a Nation is really happening. Not the Nate Parker one, the original one. These motherfuckers got to die. They would have just slaughtered, slaughtered black folk. One white woman got shot yesterday because she was trying to get into either the House or the Senate chambers when the Congress people were still inside, which I was like, bitch, are you crazy? What the fuck did you trying to do that for? But she did it and she did. She's in the Air Force, a patriot, a dead patriot, which I don't feel no types of bad about. And I was like, you tried it. Is it irony lost on anyone that the same people who are complaining about Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during a football game, during the national anthem, he doesn't respect the flag, he's unpatriotic. Which, by the way, just for clarity, I know that people listening know better. Him kneeling ain't had shit to do with the flag. He wanted police to stop killing black people. If y'all stopped killing black people, the man would have stood up and played the goddamn game. 
He didn't want to kneel. He wanted to play football. That's what he wanted to do. But y'all wouldn't stop killing black people. And he was black. But these same motherfuckers, it's disrespectful to the flag. It's disrespectful to veterans. It's disrespectful to America. These same motherfuckers breached the Capitol. Was pissing on the floor in the Capitol. You think kneeling was disrespectful? But pissing on the floor ain't. Breaking windows ain't. Okay. I also saw something today and they were like, yeah, they were fucking the cops up. Like 60 cops went to the hospital with injuries. Really? Because when I was watching, when I was initially watching and I saw people breaching the steps, I said, why won't they shoot them? Why won't they stop them? My mom was like, cops ain't shooting cops. And I was like, no, not cops shooting cops. Cops shooting the terrorists. She was like, half the terrorists are cops. The cops are not shooting cops, Demetria. And I was like, oh shit. You got a point. You got a point. I'm waiting for like a full investigation of what happened with the breach of security. Like why the National Guard wasn't in D.C. the night before the protesters showed up. Like how the Capitol Police allowed the Capitol to be breached. Like I'm waiting for this story to come out. It, it makes no sense. Like the lack of preparedness for this, this mob doesn't make any sense. I knew it was going to be a shit show. Everybody else knew it was going to be a shit show. But seemingly no one in charge of police or any kind of security or the National Guard, none of them had any fucking clue. That's intentional. This morning, and if I hadn't said, I'm recording on Thursday afternoon, Speaker Pelosi called for the resignation of the chief of the Capitol Police this morning, as she should. He had one job, and he fucking foiled that yesterday. A bunch of Republicans, all but the craziest few, are backing away from supporting Trump. Staff is resigning left and right. One of his cabinet members, who's also Mitch McConnell's wife, she's an Asian lady. And I was like, really, Mitch McConnell? I just assumed he had a white wife, but okay. She stepped down, and I was like, I know you don't want no praise and a cookie for that. It's 12 days before your job was done anyway. You've been along for the ride this whole goddamn time. You might as well just stayed on. You supported and enabled this man and all of his bullshit for all this time. And now it's gone too far. The grabbing women by the pussy, fine. Attacking people, protesters over the summer, fine. No objections. Kids in cages, no problem. That, that shit with them crazy mofos in Charlottesville and the tiki torches, there's good people on both sides. You were fine with that. The refusal to denounce white supremacists, no problem. The constant lying, the constant berating of the media, fine. All the chaos, fine. The disaster response to the pandemic that has more than 350,000 Americans dead, 20 million infected, fine. Lying to all these mofos about the election was stolen and they did me wrong and radical liberals, all that shit that stirred up all these motherfuckers that came to the fucking Capitol yesterday, fine. You were fine with all of the shit that led up to yesterday, which was inevitable. I didn't know they was going to storm the fucking Capitol. That shit's crazy. I knew something crazy was going to happen. And so did every single one of these people who've been supporting Trump all this fucking time. They knew and they did not care. And now they want to be like, oh, no, no. You stayed on board all this time. Now that the inevitable has happened, you want to get self-righteous and jump ship? Fuck you. I will cheer while you drown. Social media finally took Trump's megaphone in the middle of yesterday's terrorist attack. I still can't believe Facebook banned me for calling that man a terrorist. They're openly calling him a domestic terrorist on CNN. And Facebook blocked him for essentially being a domestic terrorist. 
but they ban my ass. I'm back now, by the way. The first thing I did was say Trump is a domestic terrorist, fuck him, and then also, I enjoy Facebook very much, but fuck y'all too. But they banned him because of a video he released in the middle of the siege where he's like, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah, I know you all are upset because, you know, this, the election was stolen from me. I've been treated unfairly and this count is so messed up. And I know that I won by a landslide, but here we are nonetheless. And, you know, you all have come and I love you very much. Literally, he told these people, I love you. While they're currently seizing the Capitol, I love you very much, but you know, no violence and it's time to go home. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram took the video down. Twitter said they were blocking him for at least 12 hours. And Facebook and Instagram, who were both owned by Zuckerberg, were like, yeah, you're not posting anymore until after the election. Because what happened, the siege of the Capitol, this crazy shit, this can't happen again. Which again, no fucking kudos. This man has used Twitter. I didn't even know he was on Instagram, but he's used Twitter and to a lesser degree, Facebook to terrorize Americans for the last four years as president. And then a couple years before that, starting with that birther conspiracy shit. So y'all want to wait till 12 days before the term is over to be like, yeah, it's gone too far. It's enough. Again, you enabled him all this time. You supported him all this time. Twitter had a come to Jesus moment a few months ago and started censoring his post. They should have banned him forever ago. At least back when it's very good people on both sides, they should have been like, yo, this man is reckless. He got to go. But no. Zuckerberg released a statement about Facebook and Instagram. He said, quote, Trump has shown he intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his elected successor. We believe the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our service during this period are simply too great. Therefore, we are extending the block we have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and at least for the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete. It's about fucking time. All of the living presidents denounced him yesterday. Obama, Bush, Clinton, and Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter is old as dirt. He don't do nothing but mind his business and teach in Sunday school. Jimmy Carter don't bother nobody. Jimmy Carter came out and was like, come on, son. Carter said he and his wife were troubled, quote unquote, by the day's events. This is a national tragedy and it's not who we are as a nation. Actually, it is. America been on some bullshit for a minute. They just don't like to be called on it. White people keep saying this is not America. This is not who we are. Black people are like, yeah. My great-grandfather was enslaved. It's who we are. Literally, me. I'm talking about me. My great-grandfather on my father's side was born into slavery in North Carolina. You don't never hear black people be like, I thought America was better than this. They be like, shit, America's still on that bullshit, huh? You might get shocked by certain events. Like, black people knew yesterday was going to be crazy. We didn't know they were going to storm the Capitol. Like, that was new. But just the overall crazy of America, the unpredictability, the anger of white people, the anger of white men. I say, yeah, I've seen footage from the civil rights movement. My parents say, yeah, we marched in the civil rights movement. Nothing white people do shocks us. Obama was less diplomatic. He said history will rightly remember today's violence at the Capitol incited by a sitting president who has continued to baselessly lie about the outcome of a lawful election 
as a moment of great dishonor and shame for our nation, but we'd be kidding ourselves if we treated it as a total surprise. That's the total black person's take. We're not surprised by this shit. We surprised by exactly how it played out. But this some shit happened? No surprise. Michelle Obama piped in while I was recording. I got a text that was like, did you see mom's statement? I still call Michelle Obama mom. She's America's mother. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull up what Michelle Obama said. Oh, it's a lot. It's, it's four Instagram pages. I woke up yesterday elated by the news of Reverend Raphael Warnock's victory. He'll be Georgia's first black senator. Okay. Fast forward. In just a few hours, though, my heart had fallen harder and faster than I can remember. Like all of you, I watched as a gang, organized, violent, and mad they'd lost an election, laid siege to the United States Capitol. They set up gallows. That's the word I was looking for, gallows. They proudly waved the traitorous flag of the Confederacy through the halls. They desecrated the center of American government. And once authorities finally gained control of the situation, these rioters and gang members were led out of the building, not in handcuffs, but free to carry on with their days. The day was a fulfillment of the wishes of an infantile and unpatriotic president who can't handle the truth of his own failures. Holy shit, this is a read. And the wreckage lays at the feet of a party and media apparatus that gleefully cheered him on, knowing full well the possibility of consequences like these. I'm fast forwarding, I'm not reading everything, but this is worth a read. This summer's Black Lives Matter protests were an overwhelmingly peaceful movement. Our nation's largest demonstrations ever, bringing together people of every race and class and encouraging millions to re-examine their own assumptions and behavior. And yet, in city after city, day after day, we saw peaceful protesters met with brute force. We saw cracked skulls and mass arrests. Law enforcement pepper spraying its way through a peaceful demonstration for a presidential photo op. And for those who call others unpatriotic for simply taking a knee in silent protest, for those who wonder why we need to be reminded that black lives matter at all, yesterday made it painfully clear that certain Americans are, in fact, allowed to denigrate the flag and symbols of our nation. They've just got to look the right way. What do all those folks have to say now? She goes on to say, I hurt for our country and I wish I had all the solutions to make it better. I'm going to read you her final paragraph. I've skipped a ton of stuff. Her statement is really good and worth reading in its entirety. She says, the work of putting America back together, of truly repairing what is broken, isn't the work of any individual politician or political party. It's up to each of us to do our part, to reach out, to listen, and to hold tight to the truth and values that have always led this country forward. It will be an uncomfortable, sometimes painful process. But if we enter into it with an honest and unwavering love of our country, then maybe we can finally start to heal. God, I love that woman. You know who else who spoke up about this, which I totally didn't expect? William Barr, Trump's AG, who resigned in December. Barr leaving was my first sign that shit was about to reach a new level of crazy. Barr is as evil as they come, and he has been lockstep with Trump through all of his shenanigans. And when Barr spoke up about the election, and he contradicted Trump's version of events, and then he announced his resignation, I was like, fuck, here we go. Barr released a statement that said, quote, orchestrating a mob to pressure Congress is inexcusable. The president's conduct yesterday was a betrayal of his office and supporters. Thank you for your honesty, sir. You still ain't shit. 
Speaker Pelosi and is he Senate Majority Leader now, Chuck Schumer? Because technically the House is 50-50, but Kamala Harris as the vice president can break any tie and she's a Democrat. So is he Majority Leader? I have to check on that. But both of them are all over CNN talking about impeachment or getting Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment, which I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish he had the balls to do that, especially after Trump turned on him. Because like, bruh, Trump has already thrown you to the wolves. Any hope you thought you might have of a future political career is done. You might as well go out with a bang and a memorable story to be told. Gather the cabinet, convince them to denounce this mofo, and history may shine kindly upon you. I don't see that happening, though. I mean, if nothing else, there's 13 days left for Trump in office. There really isn't time. Like Pelosi's talking about an impeachment. I was like, there's not there's not time. The best they could probably do is a censure. But I was like, Trump don't care about being censured. Like a censure only really works when people give a fuck what other people think about them. He cares what his base thinks, but in everybody else, he don't give a shit. Because if he did, he wouldn't act the way he does. He don't care. He cares to a degree. But if it's down to, do I care enough to actually change my ways? No. I do wish he would just carry his ass down to Mar-a-Lago and play golf and just leave us all alone. That would be helpful. But I I don't see that happening either. Because Sir is sitting in a damn White House right now with no access to social media. His megaphone is gone, which means he ain't getting enough attention. So he's going to have to do something extra crazy. And he's going to need the news cameras to come in to make sure it's seen. He's sitting in the White House right now, dreaming up a new stunt to pull before January 20th that will top yesterday. I promise you that's what he's doing. It's going to be big. Just wait. We have not seen the end of Donald Trump's antics. We got 13 days to go. It's going to be a bumpy fucking ride, y'all. That is the podcast for this week. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. Just a reminder, in case you missed the previous Tuesday's episode, Ratchet and Respectable is twice a week now. So Tuesdays and Fridays, no more Thursdays. Please turn your notifications on or please subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you're getting every episode. If you would like some Ratchet and Respectable between now and Tuesday, please follow me on social media. I'm still on the fence about Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter at Demetria L. Lucas. And if you would like Ratchet and Respectable merch because you love the podcast that much and you want to support and you want to tell everyone you encounter about Ratchet and Respectable without saying a word, I would appreciate it. But you can pick up merch on the website, DemetriaLLucas.com. We still have flasks. We still have sweatshirts and hoodies in extra smalls and smalls. All the other sizes are sold out. For t-shirts, I think there's extra smalls to larges left. And for v-necks, I think there's at least one of each in every size from extra small to 2X. So again, Ratchet and Respectable merch, DemetriaLLucas.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll talk again soon on Tuesday. Okay, bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.